I'm Lucia. I'm Elena. And this is an Inconvenient Podcast. And this is an Inconvenient Podcast. (laughs) Thanks, Elena, for the backup. (laughs) Hey, Elena. Hi, Lucia. Happy Inauguration Day. It's a pretty historic day right now. It's It's an historic day. And his what? And historic day. Did you hear that? What I did? You just put an N after the A. It's actually an and historic day. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um, today uh, Joe Biden was officially inaugurated into the presidency, and uh, same with Kamala Harris. Who is going to be and same with Lady Gaga, who is who going to be was volunteered as tribute. <laughs> the Hunger Games. Um, yes, we both watched it um, this morning while we did work on our laptop. So don't say that. Don't we diligently did our work from five a.m. to nine a.m. and then afterwards, from we watched the. We watched, we watched it so no worries there <laughs> environmentalists everywhere are very happy today because some things turned around yes and a lot there's a there's a tremendous amount of work to be done which we mm-hmm. will get into later but yes it's it's like very um refreshing to it there was like this like instagram from the New York Times that had a photo of Joe Biden signing all his executive orders. And I know, I understand that it's not even close to like everything that needs to be done and nor will some of these executive orders go as far as we want them to go. But it was a, it was a relief that it wasn't Trump there signing away. Yeah. Like making things like so much Jesus worse. Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh my God. Imagine that alternate reality. I don't even want to. Um, yeah so i just can't believe we went through four years of that like it feels like some sort of dream like nightmare like i that was four years that was four (laughs) years it's so crazy to think about how long it's been what's crazy is when i mean there are many crazy things but in 2016 right after trump got elected i went to and then he left the paris climate agreement i went to a climate reality conference with ali g al gore and he kept saying ali g is like the the ali g show i know (laughs) that's like the real the og ali g he's the og ali g yeah and um and everyone was so depressed because it was like right after Trump got elected and it was bad news for the environment. And uh, Gore kept saying, like, the good news is that if someone else gets elected the day after he gets elected or like the day of the inauguration, they can resign the climate agreement like it like we wouldn't even if Trump had been reelected. I don't think we would have technically been out of the agreement until like tomorrow. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So um, and it's just so crazy to think that that was four years ago and that it actually worked out. And it's so scary, though, to think like how close we were for it not to work out like um, seven million. How close this election was. Um, 
So that's and I think like you know my my dad made this point where he was like you know a lot of elections are this close like a, like people make it seem like though it was so 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 close but a lot of elections are like not that far apart but to be fair like Trump is the only Trump and it shouldn't yeah. have been as close as any election because it's like and it is like a mentally deranged man in power so in like it shouldn't be normal. Yeah. <laughs> it shouldn't have normal statistics. It, it shouldn't have been that close. But, yeah. I mean, I regret voting for him. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I was at dinner with my family last night, and I kept saying, like, the pandemic isn't real. And my dad was like, Lucia, that's how it starts. <laughs> <laughs> your parents seem like they get irritated with your comedy a lot. Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My uh, oh, This is just a side note having nothing to do with the environment. But my mom has, um, she's she is moving to a lake house. And she has, until she moves there, she has like a property manager who watches the property and whenever she mentions a man I like to ask if he's hot and <laughs> and she mentioned him and I think it's funny because it's just always like old dudes or young sometimes I mean I have any any man she mentions and I asked if he was hot and she went Lucia I don't want you to ever ask me that question again <laughs> And she got so offended for all men. Um, and I think I should be allowed to ask if men are hot. So do you think that he is hot, though? No, because then she said that he's not. <laughs> so she answered. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, just our little hot or not section of the week. He wasn't hot. He wasn't hot. But has there been a hot man that she has been like, he is hot? No. They're never She hot. only hangs out with not hot men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at least the ones i ask about oh okay okay like her her realtor and things so anyway anyway Anyway. we are gonna do the usual format guys we're gonna do a couple but actually we're gonna subvert the norm a little (laughs) bit never mind we're not doing the usual format at all (laughs) we're gonna sort of subvert the norm by sort of doing the same article but different articles but same topics today was a big day today was a big day it was a big day so our thorns will be different but our our rose is kind of biden (laughs) biden yeah yeah um so do we want to do our thorns first yes i think that's a good idea let's end on a hopeful note yes hopeful note um you go first okay i'll go first so this um sort of related to mine from last week um so I'm pulling all this information from a few different articles because there's been a lot of coverage on the issue. Um, so it's coming from New York Times, AP, and maybe those are the only two. Um, but so basically, monarch butterflies qualify for the Endangered Species Act, but they won't be added. What? Um, yeah, it's pretty messed up. So um, okay, so there have been recent studies showing that the numbers of monarch butterflies are rapidly declining and um, it's really not looking good. Um, And even with that knowledge, uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service decided that they weren't going to add monarchs to the official list of the Endangered Species Act, which would give funding to take care of the problem and to, like, protect them. Um, And they said they... They did a rigorous, transparent, science-based review, um, and they found that 
they had the criteria to be on the list, but they decided not to because they said that there were higher priority uh, species that should be on it. Um, but this actually... Wait, wait, Lucia, does that mean that there can only be so many species on the endangered species list? Is there a cap? I think there is a cap to how many are added each year, which is messed up, right? That doesn't make any sense. Like, it doesn't we are, make any we're sense. We're in a sixth extinction. Like, yeah, no, we're it doesn't make any sense. Okay. No, and you're going to get more frustrated as I continue okay. talking. Because, um, okay, so something that's important to understand about monarchs is, and something that probably led to, like, the wrong decision on the part of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is that North America has two populations of monarchs like two main populations there's the western population and the eastern population and the western population um has been nearly eradicated um and the eastern population has declined by more than 80 percent over the last 40 years but the western population is really the population that's like almost gone um but the the service doesn't list subpopulations um, of insects like based on the air, the areas where they live or migrate. So they aren't seeing the Western and Eastern as separate. They just see the, the species listing as a whole. So they don't see it. Does that make sense? So they're yeah. sort of seeing the num like the mixed numbers rather than seeing like, no, they are like almost gone. Um, like in the, so in the eighties, in the 1980s, the monarch populations in the West were in the millions and a 2017 study by Washington state university, um, predicted that if the monarch population dropped below 30,000, the species would likely go extinct in the next few decades if nothing was done to save them. Um, and an annual winter count that was done, it was either, I think it was last year, like last year going into 2021, um, recorded fewer than 20,000 butterflies on the West coast. Monarchs. So, yeah, monarchs. Yeah. So it's really bad. Mm. Um, and there are different there are different um, conditions that are causing this. A huge one is climate change because farming is a huge issue, but climate change is also one of the main drivers leading to the extinction or the threatened, the threatened extinction um, because climate change is disrupting on the West Coast a 3,000-mile migration um where like monarchs are synced to springtime and the blossoming of wild uh, flowers and wild fi- wild fires mm. in the U.S. West last year probably played a big part in their messed up breeding and migration cycle um, because wow. everything was burning down. So yeah, it's really bad. Uh, the East Coast populations are also really in danger. Um, like they, they've declined 75% since the nineties across and, and then on the other side of the Rocky mountains, um, is where the like really alarming drop is. So federal protection, um, would help, but the officials from the federal government said that they don't have enough money or resources to protect all the species that need it. So I I think that is, that is the justification for not adding every species that needs to be on the list to the list because, there's like only enough funding, which is dumb. That's it's dumb. Like the yeah. the amount of money that is given to the military, come and then they're saying like they don't have enough money for for living beings that are disappearing because um, of us is very frustrating. Um, it's because they just don't care. 
like it's because generally our like world doesn't care about like that they're disappearing like otherwise there would be more funding right so like there's just like unless someone reminds you like people are not gonna care that like the rhinos are going extinct like no one's thinking about that all the time so it doesn't impact our everyday so this like, exactly unless, unless you tell someone to care they're not gonna care Exactly, because it's it's very short sighted and myopic because it doesn't take it doesn't it doesn't ha- it doesn't take into consideration an interconnected like an ecological model of life where everything's yeah. connected. So if butterflies yeah. disappear, the butterfly effect. Have you seen the movie Ashton Kutcher? And he's from Iowa, so he knows what he's talking about. So it's all connected. Um, So another another negative thing is that last Tuesday, the Trump administration um, changed the Endangered Species Act, limiting what the definition of habitat under the law is. Um, So environmentalists say, I'm quoting straight out of the New York Times right now. So the environmentalists say the move could prevent the protection of land that species need to adapt to climate change. Mm. Um, And the Biden administration can undo it um but it would need to happen really quickly and a lot would need to change um because we're going to have a biodiversity crisis that puts millions of species at risk of extinction around the world so not a good time no um but hopefully something that maybe the biden administration can change because it it just shouldn't be a resources issue no it shouldn't and i think that people are as you mentioned are just so short-sighted on like when an animal does go extinct there's like all these repercussions to to like all these other animals and not only that like i'm reading this book on whales which is which is uh, pretty interesting but it i i feel like i'll butcher this connection but there's a connection between whales and plankton and carbon emissions and that when there's less whales in the ocean there's less of a carbon sink um Hmm. so by killing whales or you know not protecting their environments and things like that like just in this small way like we're adding to climate change we're adding adding to the with the fuel of climate change wow yeah it's it's really interesting and a lot of people don't think about it like that because they think like when the one species is gone that's it it's just like a it's like a bloop out of the out of the universe, but it's like all these connections. Yeah, people are like, I don't go outside anyway. Why would it matter to me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you're yeah, yeah, so uh, it's it's really depressing because it's also like like it is a really myopic perspective when people just see it as like. I mean, I think people deep down understand it's a big issue, but I think a lot of people are like, it'll it'll be fine, or it's only it's only a butterfly. Um, but like the fact that their habitats are disappearing is the bigger issue. It's like because of climate change, but it's also because of overdevelopment and wildfires and like the fact that we don't have like enough pollinator species or we don't have enough pollinator plants for them is another big issue because we need pollinator species to be going to the plants. So it's like habitat is really the bigger issue along with climate change, which is fueling these other issues. But yeah. <sighs> uh, yeah so depressing. My thorn. So yeah. depressing. Yeah. Your thorn is depressing. Um, 
on my phone, I am going across the Pacific Ocean Ooh. to China. So a recent study that came out this year said that uh, nearly 100 million Chinese um, drink unsafe levels of toxic chemicals. Wow. Uh, so that's, I think that that's a huge number. Um, and also, so this is the first time that a Chinese group of researchers has done research on this specific thing because, as you know, China's like very, like very much blocks like ways that their environment is affected and what people know and things like that. So, mm-hmm. um, but it came out of a university called Tsinghua University, um, and they're looking at specifically PFAs, and PFAs are chemicals that you they're in so many products. They're like in textiles they'll be in fabrics um you'll find them they're predominantly in pesticides mm. um which is a huge issue in the united states now too is pesti- pesticide contamination where like pfas will get into water supplies will get into the soil the groundwater things like that and they can um contaminated for for a long time because there's certain types of pfa chemicals that pretty much don't degrade. They just are there forever. There's just, once they're there, they're there. And that's the same with the way that they're in our human body. Once he, once certain types of PFAs are in our human body, um, I'm pretty sure they have a half-life to like four to eight years. And that's even after you, so like that's even after you don't have um a contact with that chemical anymore so let's say that you your drinking water is contaminated with pfas from like whatever it might be and you are drinking it you're drinking it and you have you kind of build up a lot of pfa in your system but then you move and you no longer have that anymore like that's just, that stuff's still in your system because it really just doesn't go away so it's like a really dangerous chemical um and in china it's been contaminating um lots of people's water supplies, their drinking water supply. Uh, So the study did an analysis on 526 drinking water samples across 66 cities. um, And they found that about 20% of the studied cities, which was like 16 in total, exceeded the safe levels. According to the European Food Safety Authority, about 4.4 nanograms per kilogram of body weight is allowed of pfas in your system per week so per week just 4.4 in china they were finding as many as 127 nanograms uh, a day in adults a day in adults and then 400 in babies and toddlers Holy a day crap. and 4.4 is like safety amount Oh my gosh. Wait, so where is all this? Where is it coming from? It's coming from factories. So like factories that are in these regions, they're polluting, um, they're polluting like the groundwater and surface water supply. And it's been just going into people's drinking water. Um, and it's really, really high and especially babies and toddlers because they just drink more water, um, than maybe the adults do. So they can have as many as 400, um, which is, so much it's so much more um and uh yeah this is the first study of this coming out and um what's even crazier is that china doesn't have a national safety standard for pfas so the research has a had a pool data from vermont (laughs) to to like 
kind of like look at what's healthy because China just doesn't have anything for it. So people don't even know what's healthy or what's not healthy for their drinking water. Um, and wow. like, yeah, so it's like, it's, it's mind blowing to me that that is so many people who are drinking poisoned water and PFAs, if you're wondering, um, I am, I was going to ask, they can cause, um, various health complications in the body. Unsurprisingly, according to a 2018 CDC toxicology report, contamination from PFAs is correlated with health conditions such as cancer, liver damage, thyroid disorders and fertility issues and that's just like baseline it could be so many other issues that can cause yeah who knows how it manifests yeah and like that yeah so just the fact that you're drinking levels way beyond what's allowed is so detrimental to your health and it's it's not just a single group of people it's like lots of people so uh yeah that was really upsetting to read (laughs) and it's upsetting because then I went to Chinese Ministry of Ecology and the Environment um, to like read up about like what they may be doing about this, and it's like not much. Yeah, <laughs> and like they they say that they've come out with plans from. 2021 to 2025 they're going to try to do more for the groundwater and they're going to do more for new pollutants and service water, but like overall, like they 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 don't even have a national standard. Like it's. Yeah, so, and also on the website, I found their pollu- their like pollution um, scale of like how like polluted the air is. And I was immediately like, this is probably wrong. Like, this is probably a lie. Because it said it was moderate. <laughs> it said it was at like 30 or something. And I was like, this doesn't seem right at all. Like, I know. And so it just, I was in the Chinese websites for a while like doing this research and it's just doesn't look good well here's my added non-scientific conspiracy theory is if pfas are in the water it's not like pfas are the only chemical in the water so i'm sure there are other chemicals oh yeah factories that aren't even being calculated yet yeah yeah absolutely like i and this was just specifically for pfas and considering that this is like the first report done on pfas like i'd like, I'm sure there's just not very much other information. Like, I feel like if a citizen in China wanted to know what was in their drinking water, like, I don't know how they'd go about it. Yeah. Um, Jeez. Yeah, so... I, but it's, you know, this is an issue that is big in Europe and it's big in the United States, so it's not just China that has contaminated drinking water because of PFAs, but it seems, like, really intense <laughs> over there, especially... Just because they have the most factories, but there's production happening everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And so the um, 2004 Stockholm Convention on Persistent Organic Pollutants, they call them POPs, which is fun, but also dangerous. Um, They recently added certain elements to PFAs, components to pfas just last year but they've been they've added them some other ones before that as well um but china has not ratified that section of um the convention dang so uh but it is something that people have talked about but i feel like with the environment as we both know like even when there's conventions and signing and big sweeping actions like whether people actually comply is like 
yeah limited <laughs> and if there's that if it's that heavily concentrated then there's they're gonna have to do a lot to actually yeah. fil- to filter the water I don't even know what they would do to get it out yeah and how they would have to well they would just have to start giving everybody bottled water yeah which is forever. how which is how the bottled water companies will win that's how Nestle wins that's what Nestle wants yeah yeah that was um I was talking to one of my sources like a month or so ago and about a story I was doing on fracking and she was like, yeah, I guess like people don't realize that when you think of fracking and water contamination, the last thing you start thinking about is like the last thing you start thinking about is like the repercussions, like, like separate to that. And that's like how everybody in a community has to start drinking bottled water and buying bottled water. And that just like that, the bottled water companies are kind of maybe in like cahoots with like the oil and gas industry. And like, it's, it is really crazy. Yeah. That's how like Nestle, uh, would take over the world is through the commoditization of water because then they look, it's like with Flint. That's exactly what happened with Flint is then it was like bottled water to the rescue. And, uh, yeah, because then you have to start paying for water where yeah. you pay for utilities, but not in the way, not to the expense that you would with bottled water. So we should all be looking at this story because it's very, it could happen to anyone in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you see that the Flint people are getting charged? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to yawn about that. That's oh exciting. My gosh. She's so bored. <laughs> so about bored it. with the Flint story. No, I, that's <laughs> exciting. Is the governor right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, the old governor who was like very complicit in all of it. Yeah, he was bad. <laughs> yeah, he was bad. Um. Anyway, so that was that was my pretty upsetting thorn. Um. Not in our country, but I I feel it's like, like COVID. We shouldn't ignore it. It could happen to us. Just yeah. Because it starts in China doesn't mean it's not going to happen to us. Um, just like that, I, I just saw an old, like, screenshot of mine from BBC. Like, they alerted me on my phone, which would be almost exactly a year from now, or a year ago, uh, that was, like, the first COVID case landed in America. Oh, my gosh. And I was, I, it's so crazy how much has changed from then. And that, like, two weeks after that, I went on a trip to Washington yeah, State. Yeah, <laughs> where it started. Where it started. And we were like, this is fine. <laughs> Gosh, that's so crazy. Because I remember that January is when, I think it was January, it's when the Daily episode came out. And it was uh, like, COVID. there's yeah, it was like, there's this mystery illness in China. And it's really yeah. bad, you guys. But we still didn't believe it. Yeah, it's uh, it's really crazy to see stuff in the past and just think about like what you were thinking at the time. And I feel like I was not thinking, even by far, that it was gonna be me me locked in my apartment for <laughs> over a year. So podcasting virtually. <laughs> um. Anyway, so now we have now some the good roses. stuff. Yeah. Do you want to start off the conversation on Biden? Sure. This has already been updated because he's made these decisions, but um, my information is coming from the New York Times. Um, they put out an article called A Nerve Center for Climate in the Biden White House. And 
It is all about what Biden is planning for the climate. And it's pretty wild because when Joe Biden started running, he was the lowest rated climate candidate. He Um, sucked. (laughs) Yeah. So the Sunrise Movement was not happy with him. There were videos of like the Sunrise Movement um, confronting him and he would just sort of ignore them and... He was really, like, just not a favorite of environmental organizations. And now he has the most climate-focused administration, which is wild and cool because he, like, really listened to... I think he understood he really had to evolve in that area. And now he basically created... Not a Green New Deal, but I because th- he didn't want to like he doesn't want to align with what is seen as like a socialist plan. But it's very he, dumb of him. Very <laughs> dumb of him. But he uh, he like really has he's gone. Ah, oh my gosh, my cat just licked me. <laughs> he's gone more in that direction. Um, and yeah. so one thing that I didn't realize until I read this article that's really cool is they have climate policy staff in every department of the White House. So, yeah, so in the State Department and the National Security Council, the Treasury Department, Transportation, Kamala Harris's office. um, So there are going to be people thinking about these issues like in every department. And today he signed 17 executive orders on Inauguration Day. Um, So he has rejoined the Paris Agreement. He has canceled the permit for the Keystone XL pipeline, um, started rolling back changes um, that Trump put in um, for migratory, the Migratory Bird Act, which I talked about earlier. I think he did that today. He ordered fed, federal agencies to start reviewing and reinstating more than 100 environmental regulations that Trump weakened or rolled back. Oh, yeah, and he put a temporary uh, moratorium on new Trump administration oil and gas leasing in the Arctic Ooh. National Wildlife Refuge. Yes! Uh, which is really, really great news. Um, and I don't know if people realize this, but Trump did so much damage to the environment. Yeah. Like, the list of all his rollbacks are, like, it's so long. And so Biden... Like, over 100. Yeah, Biden has to go through... All of these and the executive orders that Trump put through Biden can reverse immediately, which is like what he's doing now, because like Obama reversed the Keystone oil pipeline right before he left office. And then like the next like it's the so next crazy. month, Trump just like reinstated it. And now Biden's like closed it down again. And I would like to push Biden to also close down um other pipelines that are just as damaging just because keystone um pipeline was the most talked about does not mean that there's not other ones there as well and i would love if he did stuff about that too um anyway yeah so he what he can do that for executive action but for the ones that have been like made into like rules and laws those are gonna be a lot harder for him to change because that's gonna have to go through a whole process again so those ones are gonna are, are gonna take longer. Yeah, and last week the the EPA finalized what they were calling a transparency plan um, that it that they said would improve the credibility of science of science, but scientists said it was made to stop new public oh, yeah. health protections by limiting what research the agency can consider, and um, they're planning on turning that around again, which will be good. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then the core promise of 
Biden's campaign is to eliminate fossil fuel emissions um, from the power sector by 2035. Um, I think before when it was Obama, it was 2030, but obviously we've had four years of um, nonsense. So I assume that's probably, it's been like pushed back, um, but that's like their plan. Um, and there just before uh, Trump left office, uh, he also um, lost a battle in court um, because he wanted to relax restrictions on greenhouse emissions from power plants. Um, but instead, uh, that appeal lost. And so now this is going to make easier for Biden to enact new and stronger restrictions on power plants via the New York Times. So that's something that is also really important because, as I said, like, once something becomes a rule, it's so much harder to change. So um, anytime Trump lost, that was a good thing and yeah. an easier way for the Biden administration to change it again. And one last thing that I thought was pretty cool is that he is going to begin a process of making agencies calculate costs that carbon dioxide emissions impose upon society. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry, I don't have I was, more to say on that because I don't have more information, but it's a sentence that I really liked. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just looking at, I know this isn't environmental, but I was looking at all the other things that Biden's doing like on day one, which is yeah. a mask requirement. He is rejoining the World Health Organization. Um, and Anthony Fauci is to deliver a speech um, tomorrow to the World Health and Organization love him. as a U.S. delegate. So that's really exciting. Um, he, and then he reversed the, the Muslim ban, travel he ban. He did. He's stopping the border wall. He's reinstating um, DACA because uh, Trump ordered to end DACA in 2017, um, even though the Supreme Court... Um, uh, the Supreme Court did not... They did, yeah. They ruled to keep it in place. I remember that. Um, but DACA is still facing like tons of legal challenges. So um, Biden is a proponent for DACA, so that's really great. Um, and he's also stopping um, Trump's first executive, one of his first executive orders, which was to, which was like pretty much um, that 11 million people who are in the country illegally right now um, should be deported. So that's nice that that's not a thing anymore um it would be a lot like just getting rid of all the student debt oh my gosh ten thousand is what he says ten thousand yeah um oh and i guess on student loans one last thing is that he is he's gonna extend um, oh yeah the student loan payments to september 30th um and then hopefully give us forever hopefully <laughs> yeah, forever <laughs> Uh, but I feel like if it's, you know, still really bad in September, he'll push it again, hopefully. Oh, yeah. So that's again nice, forever. We just graduated and I am in. No, I don't want to pay. I do. I am not good. I refuse to pay my loans. I refuse to pay my loans. <laughs> that's the thing is I refuse to pay my loans. Yeah, I refuse. So <laughs> I will never pay my loans and no one can make me. And Biden, Biden is my friend and he won't make me. It's actually pretty cool because when we started the program, I was like, OK, I'm going into debt. But what I need to happen is there is going to be 
I sort of manifested this because I was like, <laughs> there, I just need the government to like, I need something to happen where I just don't have to pay my loans and I'll basically get the school for free then. Yeah. I didn't uh, want there to be a global pandemic that killed millions, but. But now you don't have to pay your loans. <laughs> so. have if- What's the total? Is it? I just want to be accurate. I just said millions. What's the total death of? I, I know it's four hundred thousand in the United States. But in the world. In the world, the world, let's see. COVID death <sighs> totals. Total world. Let's see. And this is where we'll end our podcast. <laughs> there have been ninety-six point two million total cases, and two point six million deaths. Moment Crazy. of silence. And the U.S. is leading that. And New Zealand is free of COVID. Is free of COVID. Amanda Palmer and Neil Gaiman are reunited in New Zealand. Wait, are they back together now? Yeah, I don't know if they're back together, but he came back to New Zealand based on her Instagram. He sounds like he came back because he didn't want to be a part of COVID (laughs) in the United States. (laughs) Well, he went to the United Kingdom, but I follow this all very closely. Um, he was trying to get back into New Zealand, I guess, for like nine months, but because he was in the UK and there were these travel restrictions, I don't think he was allowed to. And he just got back? He just got back. So he must have quarantined for two weeks in some hole or whatever. Yeah. Or knowing him, I mean, he's rich, so probably a nice Airbnb. No, yeah, I'm (laughs) sure it was a very nice hotel. They had to be so careful with that. Do you see about that pigeon who just like landed in... (laughs) Australia, and they're gonna kill it because they're like it could have COVID. Really? Yeah, like it's a it was a race pigeon. I didn't know that pigeons raced, but it was a race pigeon. Unless that's not what I think. Poor guy. Anyway, he made his way all the way from the United States to Australia, and then he landed, and everyone's like, "Here's that race pigeon. We were looking for you." And then the government was like, "We should kill this race pigeon because he could have COVID." So I don't know yet if the ra- well. Do you want me to look it up really quick? Yeah, find out what happened to that race pigeon. <laughs> and if it's good news, we'll keep it. And if it's not, is we'll end race- on Neil Gaiman reuniting <laughs> with his son Ash. <laughs> alive is race pigeon alive? Is what I'm typing in. Uh, oh, it thinks I'm writing penguin. <laughs> Hold on. Is rage pigeon alive? Um, you know, this is just isn't coming up. This isn't coming up on any news outlets. <laughs> so, wow, so I feel surprising. Like I, I, <laughs> I feel like maybe more important things have happened today. <laughs> I think it's still alive because twist and bid to save pigeon that was thought to have flown from U.S. to Australia. Um... But then in other news, a Belgian racing pigeon fetches record price of $1.9 million. That sounds like he's alive. Well, I don't think that's the same pigeon. But I'm just saying that the race pigeons in general are doing well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, okay. So um, that's our That's our podcast. Thank you for listening. Please rate us, hot or not. Hot or Um, not. Like and... Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. <laughs> and have a beautiful day and know that today is a good day. Today is a beginning. Of a new climate future. 